This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. There is just a check going on on the goal. And what do we know Ian? Well, it's hard to imagine what it might be. Possible offside. For a possible yeah. offside in the builder. Ross Barkley is certainly right in front of the goalie. Usually, when they go over to the monitor, it does result in a change. Yeah. Only once, I think, so far has it not been the case. I mean, it's a pity for Aston Villa because I'm with you, Andy. He would not have had a hope of saving that, even if he could have seen it no. without anybody in his line of vision. But that may not come into it. Yeah. And yeah, it's as we thought, it's going to be chalked off. Well, the debates go on, don't they, about VAR. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me to discuss an absorbing contest at Villa Park, which carried a bit of a scorpion sting in the tail for Villa anyway. Mr. Dan Rogers is back, Mr. Chris Bird, and Mr. Phil Shaw for hello, Full hello, House. Hello. hello. Nice to see you. Nice. Hello, everyone. <laughs> what brings you <laughs> back, Mr. All? Rogers? A Saturday kickoff, an early kickoff, Jeopardy. And I just had to you know, go out with you fine people afterwards, and that was just to top off the day. Yeah, we, we stayed out after that uh, 12.30 kickoff. I think I returned, like, just after 12 hours later, I think. I, I, I'm i still recovering, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, like don't tell <laughs> those listeners about that. <laughs> I feel like I've... You know when you pour salt on a slug? That's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the plan, there'll be a few nods to that. Your uh, misfortune, shall we say. Coming up in the show, we will uh, tuck into all the latest filler news before going straight into the game. Best game at Villa Park this season? Not the result, but the game. Yes, no, yes, it's an no. entertaining Pro- game, yeah, I think. It probably was. Bud's not committed. Shaw says I, yes. I'll, yeah, I'll say yes. Rogers. I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it until, until yeah. the Arsenal win. <laughs> then we will do other things such as media muppets, three points, and after its absence from last week, uh, a quick uh, three-way Emery's clipboard. First time ever, I think, uh, on the on the Emery's clipboard. But I think uh, Dan's played before. I have. Has he? Have we had a three-way mm-hmm. Emery's clipboard? He turned up, fucked shit up and got out of there. You did mm-hmm. a Christmas one. 
Ah, that's a Christmas one. They don't, they don't count. That's, that's like a one-off. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Thanks, Chris. That does mean a lot. Did you get back okay, Mr. Shaw? Mr. <laughs> Shaw was over for the uh, game, uh, flew back with the Nottingham Panthers ice hockey team. They are my team before you slag them off. Oh, I'm going to slag them off. I'm going to rename them the Nottingham Prima Donnas because I've never seen such big burly guys coming in with their like neck collars on and things like that just so they're going to have little doze and holding up all the normal people trying to sit in the plane. Prima donnas as in they were travelling in first class like you. <laughs> it's not first class at all. <laughs> but um, no. And um, can I have a window seat, please? And it's like, oh, just sit, sit where you're allocated. It's not prima donnery, Phil. That's like you've paid for it. <laughs> I want a fucking window seat when I fly. On, then. <laughs> nothing, nothing to do with prima donnering. And if you can hustle it, you know, when you get on the plane, then go for it. Same with legroom. I always used to get uh, the extra legroom seats, yep, or whatever. Play the game, Phil. Then they started charging everybody, but there's still, you know, there's still games to be played within new rules, shall we say? But I'm not going to give away all my trade secrets just in case mm. listeners are battling me on planes for uh, better seats. Yeah. Put it that way. And just don't cons- don't consider you need a traveling pillow around your neck for a 50 minute flight. It's not exactly transatlantic. Good job I didn't have to take that plane this morning, Phil. I'd have, I wouldn't have requested a window seat. I'd have requested the lavatory seat. <laughs> Strap yourself in and hope for the best. Right, uh, time for some news before uh, Rogers ruins the show uh, anymore. <laughs> what, what should we go for? Uh, Art Collector smashing a 22K Jeff Koons iconic dog balloon in Miami, which had a sign next to it, please do not touch the sculpture. Oops. Or the Villa News. <laughs> what would you do if you saw a 42k statue of Leon Bailey outside the Holt? I wouldn't let Leon <laughs> Bailey touch it. Seen a statue of Leon Bailey on the pitch usually. <laughs> That's some hate mail coming your way now, Phil. I can hear it being furiously typed. And he did look shattered. Yeah, there's going to be some hate mail from Jamaica. Yeah, he actually was moving uh, pretty well uh, against Arsenal. So he, his little cameo. It's that seat you had, uh, sure, right at the back of the upper hole. He obviously couldn't oh, what, see the, Jack the one, the, the one seat in the ground that trailed safe Stanton, because there's a nice railing for me to lean on. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were in the new area when it was called the floodlight seats. I think they're doing a rail seat uh, one a month. Uh, it's, it's a slow process to get safe standing into uh, the whole tent. And more of that later. Right, time for some villain news. Right, injury news. Not much, really. I told you that. Tyrone Ming's uh, injury was really a strike over the new contract until he got his own way. Just uh, Diego Carlos now to be uh, concerned about, but he's actually uh, back with the team training now. He's done a couple of days training, so it's all about building up match fitness and... uh, His other leg. (laughs) Yeah, his one matchstick leg. (laughs) Yeah, this seemed to be a theme of our conversation throughout the night after the game was his disparity between the muscle uh, mass of his two legs. It's a classic Villa. We had a striker with one leg shorter than the other. Now we've got one (laughs) one small leg, one giant Popeye leg. (laughs) But uh, when would you say he would be back... I think he'll be back in the squad for Palace, would be my guess. They might try and get him a bit of game time in the 20... March. 
Uh, it's the first weekend of March, yeah. I think the 23s play Friday ahead of Everton, but I don't think he'll be involved for Everton, but they might try and get oh, him some no game chance time. against Everton, yeah. No, might put no him I think I said on the previous show, March uh, would be uh, lightly now. Yeah. Mentioning Mings, his new contract of 3.5 years, three and a half years, was signed. Perfect timing for his nice little cushioned header to uh, Saka. <laughs> I thought he was auditioning to play for Arsenal. I was, I was confused. Why Why sign a new contract for Villa when obviously you want to play for Arsenal with that assist? It increases his uh, sell-on value, doesn't it? I guess that you can you can see they've, they've finally got someone who, who Saka will receive from. So I don't yeah. know. How long have we signed him up for? Three and a half years. Hmm. Meanwhile, <laughs> I had a uh, part of this uh, West Midlands Police Football Unit uh, independent advisory group which basically allows you to have a good frank conversations with the police in terms of transparency, what they're doing, and obviously what's happening uh, behind the scenes. So it gives you good insights into things. One thing they, well, there's a couple of things, but they, one thing they cleared up with me, uh, I remember the, you know, in conversations with the club talking about uh, where rail seating will be and upper... Holt end was one definite uh, because of the persistent standing at the back. They thought, well, you know, it's safer if they they do it in rail seats. And then you also, you don't have to do migration or whatever, because the people up there are the ones that bring the noise or most of it. And, uh, you know, it's rail seating is kind of perfect for that. But then they were talking about Upper Doug. And every time I mentioned that to supporters, they were saying, you know, Upper Doug, what the hell do you want to put it up there for? And it turns out uh, that it was actually the Upper Doug away section and that will actually commence as soon as this season finishes. So anybody going to any of the concerts, uh, Pink or Bruce Springsteen, will probably see uh, that in effect because obviously that section of the ground won't really be needed for those concerts. Also, speaking of Springsteen, as soon as he steps off the stage uh, the next day, the North Stand at the moment will begin its transition into a proper stand. Finally. So let's see what happens there. And also I asked him... uh, so, what's the skinny on the drone? Who was flying the drone at the Southampton game, which obviously held up the match? Turns out, it was nothing more sinister than two 15-year-old kids just trying to watch the game. <laughs> fly, fly, flying a drone in. Yeah, no, exactly. There's illegal streaming, and uh, I thought this was a fresh way of uh, streaming the game. Don't don't rely on overseas providers uh, just uh, sort it out yourself they should have parked it in the roof and then nobody would have noticed it yeah that's a good point oh, that's a genius film genius just... idea well the police understand it's two 15 year olds uh, and and not doing it with <laughs> any malicious intent or anything the premier league oh no they take a different uh, zero tolerance they want hanging, I think, or the guillotine at least. So they're trying to weigh in hard, and you know, this, these things go to court, and they they want like malicious, like trespassing, and uh, you know, throw the book at these kids, and that just shows you where it is. I mean, you know, in conversations, always in terms of fan behaviour, and uh, if, whether it's hooligan or not, the, the police are surprisingly normally kind of in the middle, and will be rational in terms of well, you got to take these factors into account for certain behaviour. While it's the clubs and the Premier leagues that, that are really uh, want to clamp down and, and show zero tolerance so they actually have some proportion to it and realize it's just two 15 year old boys with a cheap drone yeah mucking about <laughs> a little bit you know and the, you know the police obviously get the the flack because uh, you know that's what we do isn't it you kind of shit on the police but uh the reality is the uh the, the premier league and clubs are a lot more uh fascistic <laughs> is that fair to say <laughs> authoritarian 
authoritarian, yes. You're endangering the flight of one of Emmy Martinez's passes. <laughs> <laughs> right, meanwhile, the club launched, uh, perhaps ahead of time, they, they said they were going to do it in March, but here it is now, the Holton survey. A classic Villa survey. It's really up there with some of the best. When it was announced to the fan consultation uh, group, they were having a bit of small talk around it when they were saying, oh yeah, we're going to do a survey. How many hole tenders are there here? I think there was five of us. And uh, Christian Persler was going, oh good, yes, you know, we, we can have uh, chats about the hole ten, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, we were saying, you know, what kind of uh, survey is this? And it's they were saying, oh, it's about, you know, offering better facilities and... Fine dining uh, jumped out to me, David. <laughs> food choices, blah, blah, blah. And Michelin I, and I, star taster menus. I could smell upsell from a mile off. And I just, you know, said to them, uh, the, the Villa staff there, I said, yeah, as well as your upsell in the survey, you should also uh, maybe also focus on the atmosphere and how any changes plug into that and perhaps help it. Because this sounds like it's just going to, you know, it's another nail in the coffin of old school atmosphere but uh, hey ho but then you know so i'm i'm thinking oh this you know this stinks of upsell i underestimated the upsell potential because you see that survey as you just said five course fine dining options do you want those done uh, i would love to see after my experience in the Holt suite <laughs> after the arsenal game i would love to yes. if, if that's the entry level serving i would love to know what five star five course taste a menu in the whole ten looks like <laughs> well, Lord, they're just yeah. going to give you the gravy granules instead of the water and just say yeah it's fine tastes, tastes the same <laughs> what we we i mean it's, it won't bore people with the details but i saw three or four things that were just astonishingly shit in that in that area <laughs> i can't even think of a comparison it was just that bad and i thought you sort of think well our, our, if that's going to be our baseline product would you trust them the ga plus option general admission plus and then you look through the survey and then it's saying would you like a complimentary program or complimentary drink and it's not complimentary if you're putting a big plus on general it. admission you're paying for it it's they yeah, just it's want a, people to tick i mean this is the way they, they actually program their surveys to justify what they want to do that's what happened with the badge one they wanted, you know, they were just going to have a round badge because they thought it was a crowd pleaser. No intention to really explore what could be a new villa image, new villa badge. And this one, it's like, let's do a survey where it once one we get the results back, guaranteed it justifies uh, we can upsell everything. One plus on uh, sprucing up the whole tent and having better facilities you know marble tops of on, on the toilets so uh, the half-time coke snorters of the holts can actually do their lines in some refinement maybe i went went to the toilet uh, just before half-time and there was a big line to the cubicles it's, it was either that or uh, it was a cue for the purity ale shits I <laughs> what are the I two can attest i was the only person in <laughs> that queue <laughs> not attempting to snort anything <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I actually lasted the game and then, then I would have been joining that queue as well. What for? Coke? Uh, no, the latter. Ah, right, okay. All right, good advert for Purity Ale uh, this show is offering today. Fucking laxative. International break in the women's game. Uh, Rachel Daly has switched from her left-back position for England, or that's where she played in the, the Euros, to follow up on her uh, Villa form and scored a brace as England beat Italy 2-1. in the. Is it the Arthur, Arthur Daly Cup? <laughs> I can't remember what the the name of that Arthur Clark. Yeah, the trophy is. I just call it the Arthur Daly uh, Cup. Nobs also played, came on as a sub. It's good to have two prime movers in the England team uh, playing for Villa. 
Meanwhile, just out of the Villaverse, uh, but loosely connected, ex-Villa coach Neil Critchley was uh, sacked by QPR after replacing Michael Beale, another ex-Villa coach, after only two months, which... Didn't he do like well? A bit, of a, <laughs> bit of a Nathan <laughs> Jones-type scenario, isn't it? Was it? He won his first game and then didn't win after, did he? Both of them were at Luton, weren't they? Mm. It's more worrying that he was meant to be the brains behind Jared because Jared was a hands-off sort of coach. And there we go. Yeah, but yeah, it's like just because you can do it at Luton doesn't mean you can do it anywhere else. Uh, and note to Henry Lansbury and marvelous Nakamba. Maybe it's just coaches. Maybe it's just coaches. Right, going into this game, it was two defeats on the spin. So Villa had a motivation not to make it three because then, as I've warned. And I'll say it again, Villa are starting to be one of those mid-table teams that are standing still while all the teams below are starting to twitch, knowing it's urgency time. And most of them won this weekend, didn't they? They're all getting results. So we're going to be playing uh, an Everton team in the next game at their patch. And, you know, they're off the back of of a good win against Leeds. So you lose that, you suddenly fall games on the trot. And funny enough, Emery's mentioned relegation uh, as the thing they've got to make sure they're clear of in the last two press conferences when most fans conversations have you know been about top half <laughs> he's seen that squad up close he knows yeah. the truth <laughs> That's what saying. He's, he's an astute manager hasn't he <laughs> well yes Anyway, so I don't like half 12 kickoffs, but this one actually woke me up pretty swiftly, as it did Tom Hanks, who was visiting. Five changes. Emery obviously wants in the reaction. Not happy, uh, I think, especially with that Leicester game. So in came McGinn. Kind of expected that. Mings was back. Cash in for Young. That was maybe a surprise there. Maybe just an attempt to freshen it up. Uh, Coutinho in. Most would have thought he would come in for Buendia, who uh, was kind of missing uh, in the last game or two. And uh, Moreno came in for Lucas Dean uh, as well. And all seemed to go swimmingly. Uh, Cash did well, actually, to pickpocket the Arsenal player. And then for him, I mean, it was kind of a different type of pass that you're expecting. Kind of curled it over the shoulder. Kind of worked being overhit, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah, and it kind of worked. I mean, normally you'd slide rule it through, but in went Watkins, and you thought he went a bit too wide in terms of creating an angle, but actually uh, created a better angle than we expected. And Ramsdale probably probably that second when he went wide, Ramsdale was thinking, oh, he's you know he's overcooked it there." And in that split second, uh, Watkins hit it early, and in, in the net it, it the went. Corner. It's a great finish, isn't it? Yeah. Did you see it up there, Phil? Where you were? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but it's, it's like we said about Watkins before, it's when he doesn't have time to think about it too much, it's instinct. It's, it's in, his instincts are coming back now. Yeah. Four and four. Four and four, isn't it? You can't, you can't argue with that. Mm, no more moaning good. about him. He's he's off social media now uh, in terms of the moaner's target. He's he's in the clear. I thought it set up the day for his, his entire performance as well. It was a real hard-working Time's thankless task, actually, but he he really really played well yesterday uh, against he Arsenal. Chase loose ends, didn't he, for long periods? And he and he retrieved and held the ball well, didn't he? Against mm. a really strong pair of centre backs, I thought their two centre backs were actually pretty good. Then came uh, an incident that people have kind of forgotten about was, and I'm I'm giving him this one just because it's mitigation for what came shortly after. <laughs> was uh, an, a, quite an astounding uh, clearance from Mings. Mm. Uh, when he's, as a fan, you thought it, I mean, we're in the hole, we thought it was a goal. Mings clears it off the line. There was a few moments like that where you think it's a goal. And then others where, oh, we got away with that. And actually it went in, in, in the end. Yeah. We'll get to that one. <laughs> huh. But uh, great clearance. He literally hooked it, took, it, took it off the head of the player. I mean, 
It must have yeah, been millimetres. The I think. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been millimetres from actually scalping somebody. <laughs> and then, not long after, though, I, I still can't work out what was going through his mind. Cross comes in, and then Mings, almost like a cushion header, heads it back straight into the path of danger. Fair enough. Saka took it very well. But I don't know how you felt, Phil. Is such a thing as a no-look header? You know, you get like a no-look pass. It was was one of those ones where you think, oh, what would I least expect Mings to do? And it was that. (laughs) (laughs) It was that. Because it wasn't all on Mings, that goal, because he finds himself in that position because we we hadn't cleared it properly and the ball gets dinked in. Yeah. Just head it into the whole end. Don't don't there's, do that. There's, there's a couple of options, isn't there? There's either Martinez calls for it and he yes he lets it go and Martinez gets it, or he, he heads it off for a corner. Some people get a bit nervous when defenders do that, but it's, it's something you know. I remember when I played centre back, you're always taught just head it out. You know, and back in the day, like Alan Evans McNaught would head a corners over their own bar on purpose because it was like better than putting it in any uncertain danger. If you 100% knew where you're going to head it, that's safer than you know just headering it blindly. Yeah, but people have seen Villa defend corners, so that's why they get a bit nervy whenever we head it out for a corner. Yeah, there is that. It means just save them some time. But like the Leicester <laughs> game, there was a refreshing, at that time anyway, mindset from Villa that, you know, they didn't take it like the inevitable is coming. And the goal that came was, oh, was sublimely taken, wasn't it? It's got to be one of the best team goals we've scored this season, right from back to front. Really great goal. Obviously, Kamara picks the ball up, carries it, goes wide to Moreno, doesn't it? Uh, well, he sort of plays yeah. him. It's a great pass. He takes, I think it's Ben White out of the game. If you see the pass, he kind of waits just ever so slightly, lets Ben White come towards the ball. He's committed and just slides it in. Obviously, Moreno pulls it back. Maybe a slightly lucky little dummy from Buendia that goes through their lad's legs. And when it comes to Coutinho, you're thinking, what's he going to do here? Having seen him stick it into the up, upper tier of the fucking North Stand more recently, he just passed it in the bottom corner and sent the keeper. <laughs> the wrong way it was a great finish you forget this is continue against the top side because if you remember what he did against City at the Etihad at the end of last season it's exactly the same kind of finish just it was sends the keeper the wrong way into the bottom corner mm. so what are you saying Phil when he when he walks onto the pitch he, he, who we're playing again and if it's like a, a team that he recognises from the Champions League days he, he actually switches his radar on he must think that Southampton is someone else yeah, if it's somebody like Bournemouth, he didn't even turn it on because obviously the energy bills at this time, uh, he doesn't want to waste money on uh, using his radar against lesser teams. I think better teams sort of have a, a more zonal approach to marking. I think when it's a bit more blood and thunder, the continuous shots get blocked more easily. Yeah, but I think but the, but the Buendia dummy did literally take out the Arsenal defence and oh, it's brilliant. completely short-circuited Ramsdale as well because he had no idea what was going to happen next. Great call. At that time, Arsenal, you were thinking they were for the taking there. You were thinking this is a real opportunity. Defa- you yeah. can see they were a bit uncertain because obviously their results the last few games. I think with the ball, they were they were... With the ball, you saw why they're where they are in the league. You know, Odegaard's just, for me, was the, probably the best player on the park all afternoon, especially in the second half. But with possession, they looked great. But there was always that moment when they gave the ball away, Villa could get at them on the break. And when we were brave, we sort of just put the ball in behind and didn't try and overplay too much. You thought, we can actually hurt these. And obviously we did on the, it was basically just two attacks, wasn't it, in the first half when we scored? We didn't yeah. really do a lot else. But every time we kind of got in the final third, you thought, we're going to make something happen here. And Arsenal at that stage weren't having real legit chances. I mean, they just had kind of one or two let's say attempts on goal they were doing the cliche they were they were rocking a little yeah, yeah they, were. they were rattled the way they, they, were, they were getting rocking. on at the referee and Saka's follow through tackle on Moreno that got completely ignored 
were yeah, well, completely. Was for, that was that was my next thing. It was one of those games where I remember we said the same about them last season in the game, where they were after the ref constantly from the first whistle, and they were on at him about Martinez, who obviously ended up getting booked for time wasting later in the game. We started was the time waste in the first half, didn't we? Yeah, it was, and, and Emery obviously we'll yeah. get on to that, but Emery you could tell was like getting knocked off with his own team doing it, and there was the Saka challenge, which was bad. It looks worse, obviously, on the slow mo, but it is a bad tackle on Moreno, and I, for, for me. There was a bit of naivety about Villa there because if you were streetwise, and I think if you have Ashley Young on the pitch, it kicks off a little bit late because it kicked off, didn't it, later in the first half? I think Louise got booked yeah. because of it because he, he was the one who did what somebody should have done then. That's where you have to get involved, get in Saka's face, and someone has to get in the refs here. And the Villa yeah. players, as they kind of were all game, they were a bit passive. And it's like when that happens on your home soil, A, the crowd needs to pile in a little bit. But you need to have four or five players around Saka, drag a few of them in, and you have to get four lads around the ref and yeah. treat that like a really big moment in the game. And the fans kind of thought, well, it's a foul, but it didn't It didn't blow up as it should have done. And I think you know, if you're at Old Trafford no. or if that's against Arsenal, they've got five men around the ref and someone's getting at least a booking. That was naivety yeah, for me from Villa. The fact that Young wasn't on the pitch, you kind of saw what he really brings to the team uh, here. And yeah. I, mean, I mean, to carry on this point, the second half really gave you a, a real big insight into what mentality means. Emery keeps mm. saying mentality, mentality, and preaching like to change the mentality. Well, this is a little bit on him, I've got to admit, because you saw a distinct difference in mentality. Arsenal players came out early. They were waiting. They were huddling. They were like pumped up. It was like pumped up. We're going to win this game. That's that's the vibe I was getting off them. They are coming out because the title's on the line. They believe they can give it a go and they were there to win it. There was a moment which also exemplified their attitude and their mentality, if you want to use that word, was there was an injury break. One of the Villa yeah. defensive lines... Cash, I think. Cash went up for a head and he yeah. landed on him. Now, yeah, he was down for a while. Once Arsenal saw the, the physio run on, Arteta pulled all his players in. They all gathered around. It was like the game's going into extra time, you know, where the players gather around the manager and he gives it that kind of real rapid uh, team talk. They were all hydrating, all gathered around. The Villa players were just... Watkins was at halfway line just milling around kicking grass doing a few stretches others were just like strolling around aimlessly having a chat and you just thought there's a difference in attitude here that team wants to win it and they are like in battle station mode Villa's attitude seemed to be well we might win this game we'd like it might happen I'd like to win Hmm. this it might you know we could could win this game Arsenal were like we we, we have to win this game well, as as exemplified by their belief, even in the ninety third minute, that they would win the game. Um, yeah. I, I thought there was, there was one theme across the whole game, and, and talk about mentality was that the the glaring difference was their persistence at in especially in the final third against us that they tried. They were constantly trying to unlock us in a, in a really quite smart mm-hmm. way. The ball moved quickly. It was one touch. It was probing. Our attacks were we we got. We never made any clear-cut chances, but our, our past decisions in key areas, having done all the hard work to get the offered on the break, were just shocking. I, I, I gave up counting in the, the amount of times we got to a flank, and the ball in was either completely the wrong ball in, or it just didn't hit the, the kind of space that it needed to hit. And then you watched Arsenal break on us, often you know with us with us essentially in a foot race back to our final third at pace, but it was controlled and it was measured and it was over and over and over. You know, and it, it was a good game because I didn't know who was going to win. And to be honest, I thought a draw would have been fair overall. But they had far more clear-cut opportunities than we we had. I, I, I don't know if I agree with you. A draw would have been a fair result. I think it was, it was both teams were, let's say, slugging it, slugging mm. it out. 
And I would say Arsenal, if it was boxing, Arsenal were ahead on points, but both teams were slugging it out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, to, to use the boxing analogy, I think I think you're probably right there. I mean, what I would have said was in, in, to continue the boxing theme is, that, but Villa had the ability, but not the belief to get that one sucker punch in. You know, if we'd have gone three, yeah, we could have we could have won with a knockout blow. It's Arsenal were always going to yeah, win yeah, exactly. points, weren't they? I think, and we had, we, we, and we very nearly had that, didn't we? And I think that maybe that would be the summary. But going back to that menta- uh, sorry, the mentality situation, you saw it on the second goal, and this is the key goal, goal for goal. me because uh, they don't score that at that time. There's a better, a, you know, serious chance. I think we would have, we would definitely got something from this game. Yeah. Well, we were about to make the changes, weren't we? As well. Yeah, and we were getting into the territory where you start thinking about locking it down a bit more before they they take that corner. You saw Ali Ollie Watkins. You know he's kind of sorting out his socks and you know looking down, sorting out his socks, not looking at what's happening, panning out in front of him, what's about to happen as soon as that corner's taken. Again, you know, short corner, and Watkins should have been first there, cl- much closer to uh, Zinchenko than he was. I think Mings was the furthest forward, and really, it's mentality thing. He, they should be focused. As soon as that ball goes out for the corner, you should be looking at your socks and you know sorting yourself out you should be looking at right what are they doing you should be laser focused yeah yeah well i mean that's that's exactly what i was thinking we've seen this goal very recently the only difference was the the goalkeeper in question it was robin olsen against stevenage i mean stevenage played a, sh- a short corner got it to exactly the same position in the box that zinchenko was and just hit it low into the keeper's near post at the time it was like everybody was blaming olsen but you have your world cup martinez keeper in here so it's something else i mean arsenal probably looked at that stevenage game and went oh look at villa there's they're slacking corners they're slacking set pieces just tr- try a really simple one they did a few short corners didn't they yeah it wasn't like uh, it was out of nowhere it's just really strange there nobody went out and people were screaming you know watch the short corner this time you got away one and then they didn't get away with anymore my only query was and it came after having heard Emery's post-match when we're thinking about our dreadful inability to learn from our mistakes when it comes to set pieces was you know uh, overlooking the the obvious thing of just saying what does the set piece coach do is he in a similar place to Emery where they they must practice these things they have to surely they must study what Arsenal doing but our, what are, what knowledge are we applying so what are you saying the players are thick yeah uh, it would be a cliched uh <laughs> <laughs> thing to say, David. But I, for me, it wasn't complicated. And it when we do things against a team, you can normally do it once, maybe twice in a game, and a team goes, "John, we, we, they're wisened to it." That short corner thing, where basically they just passed it to the guy, he passed it back, and then there was a runner. They must have done it five, six, seven times. Yeah. Not and, and not only did no one say, "Hang on, actually, you're offside every single time the ball gets passed back to you." By the way, but then they they were in on on the corner of the 18 yard box, and for Zinchenko's goal, it's it was so straightforward, it was ridiculous. His his first goal in the Premier League, by the way, in something like ninety something games. I mean, to be fair to him, when it comes to me, he's a great hit. I'll, I'll give him his dues with that. He's an, he's absolutely rifled it in the bottom corner. Yes, like Stevenage finished the Stevenage one. Saying a draw would have been a fair result. You're looking at the second half stats, and you and you you know you're seeing things like Arsenal had eighteen shots to Villa's three. Even if you want to boil it down to expected goals, Arsenal were over three. Villa was zero point one eight. And, you know, 31 touches in the opposition box, Villa had seven. But with all that said, Bailey does well to fashion a chance out of pretty much nothing in terms of his first touch is is great. And once it goes through Ramsdale, you think it's in. But obviously, Ramsdale gets a a touch to it, hits the bar. And this is kind of how the... Even though in terms of chances, we were getting kind of pummeled. There we were with the chance. If that goes in, I think we win the game. I think it would have sharpened us, wouldn't it, defensively? We'd have gone, right. 
we've got something to hold on to here. I think at two all, there's always that little bit of deer stick, deer twist. And Villa always did carry a little threat on the break. There was obviously the Bailey one, which would have been a brilliant goal. And I actually thought he was he he did change the game when he came on. He gave us a bit of forward impetus. A bit like how Saka did for them. He all of a sudden their fullback was having to back up. He was having to face his own goal. We didn't do that enough. It was always like, as we said earlier, Arsenal were there to be got at, especially in transition. I don't think we were ever going to control that game, aside from what Emery said, you know, he wants to control games. You don't control games against first, second in the league. You have to find a different way of doing it. When they equalise, there was an instant reaction from Emery because he brought Ramsey on for Coutinho and then five minutes later Bailey came on for Buendia and then Doncaron for Louise. I wonder if I think Louise was on a yellow card and there was a, probably a chance that he could have got himself sent mm. off in reality because I think him and Kamara had a very good second half as much as we got pummeled I think he actually stood firm very well and he was the guy breaking things up and getting us out from the back so that was a good thing I think with both of them there they were getting put under so much pressure and they were having to chase the ball around in quite tight areas that there's always a chance you can dive in you're going to get booked I think Dendonka there there was maybe a thought of let's get a little bit of height on as the game goes on if Arsenal start throwing the ball in the box yeah, because they were going a bit direct and they had a couple of headed chances, didn't they? Yeah, well, obviously, and, and Ketcher had three chances in the game, didn't he? He could have had a hat-trick. Yeah, what did, what did I say about him in something for the weekend? He's like Tam, Tammy Abraham. He needs about yeah. six Bam. chances to score mm-hmm. one. I, I said to the guy that they don't have a goal scorer. Imagine if they had a goal scorer, they'd have battered us. Yeah. And there's obviously, there's the big Odegaard chance where, he, where that's just Villa fucking up, playing out from the back yet again. That would have been a dreadfully, dreadfully poor goal to concede. That would have been a horrible way. It was, was bad enough to lose the game in the way we did. But very fortunate. To lose because they also fashion. hit the post, didn't they, from a header. That was the Nketi one off the bar, yeah. Yeah, probably helped the Dentonka decision. And then obviously there's the there's the Duran chance that he has where the, you know, Ramsey makes the save that he should. But there's the there's that moment when you see, it, certainly on the TV replay, where once he gets the ball out of his feet, if he releases that ball, you fancy Bailey to have a big chance there. It's yeah. great that he's that little bit more selfish, but once the Bailey one hits the bar and comes out, you're kind of thinking, and obviously the Duran chance goes, is that our chance gone? Yeah. Because you know they're going to get another one. Yeah, I didn't have issues with the sub because I thought that's actually a good move to put Bailey on now because they're coming. They, they're, they're desperate to win this game. So uh, to leave him up the top, this is he's going to have space to picked off. and there's a, there's a good chance here. Same, you know, same with Duran when he came on because it, this was probably a good game to have him on, especially when he, he was riling up the crowd straight away and was really up for it and, and was, looked like he was enjoying himself. Dendonka yeah. I thought was pretty tidy. There's a few back keelers and stuff in there. No no problems with his performance after obviously the uh, Stevenage debacle. Going back to the Duran chance that he had, I've no problem with him taking it himself and taking it on himself and having a shot on target because he wasn't bought to be like he's he's a striker he's there to score goals that's he's why he's bought, he's bought the, he's number nine he's bought to develop in that position you want to see him have the greed because we've said before all the, this overplay and everything else he had a shot and i seen after the game again going up you know putting his arm around him doing the captain's job and saying look next time that will go in you know your time will come yeah I would have really liked to have seen at that point go with Bailey, go with Duran, put Watkins out on the left if he's got the legs. I know he'd work very hard, but I think you could have actually sent a message to Arsenal saying, "Listen, if you give the ball away, we are going to get you on the break here." And we obviously, you know, we very nearly did. But you, you always felt that there was. I suppose it's just the Villa way at the moment. You always feel that you're in the game with Villa with the way we play defensively, and there's always either a mistake or a and of course, and of course it, you know, it, it happened, didn't it? Because we play ourselves into trouble so much. Now, the goal doesn't come from us playing ourselves into trouble, but there was so many occasions and you thought, we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot here. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. But before we get to that goal, you saw that, you know, Martinez got a yellow card for uh, time wasting. So it looked like the Villa were very much right. We're, 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 we're hoping for the point here. If we do catch them on the break, then all being good, you know, we're set up to have a chance or two with Bailey. But then, uh, you know, Martinez gets a yellow card and then uh, you see, you know, he's doing his normal fake the injury. The referee's straight over to him, lifting him up off the floor. So this ref's obviously, he's not dumb to uh, the Martinez antics. And, it, you know, 90th minute, as soon as I saw, I thought, yeah, but this, this is looking good. My prediction's looking good. And then you think, then you see six minutes and you go, ah, shit. <laughs> this needed to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought six months was kind in Villa. I was expecting oh, eight or nine. Honest. All right, okay. Because there'd been a couple of quite long injuries and you factor in all the subs as well. Yeah. And I was expecting more than that. And you factor in how many chances Arsenal have had and you're thinking, well, six minutes, they're going to have a few more here. And the goal was weird from where I was sitting because as soon as it left his foot, it was like, wow, that's a strike. And it hits the bar. And there's this kind of weird, weird moment where as this hit the bar and come out and then it's then you see the net rippling and it's like, that's kind of defied physics. I was pretty sure I'd seen the greatest goal of all time from my seat. For <laughs> yeah, same here, like, same here, same here. I was thinking everyone in the whole team was. <laughs> A lot of the whole team was stunned in terms of you're not going, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, fucking. You can't argue you're like, that if it's the world you think it is. It is fucking amazing. And I had no idea it came off Martinez's head. And then word got out, word got out that it was an OG. Yeah. Because, of course, it, if it hits the underside of the bar and bounces, it will normally hit the netting, won't it, in the top? It'll always hit the floor and bounce up. And it didn't. It kind of went, how's that gone in the bottom corner? And yeah, then you see, weird. of course, you, after the classic game, you see the replay and classic. it's just head in hands. And typical Villa, because, I mean, we didn't notice it from where we were uh, sitting, but uh, there was two Arsenal players in offside positions in uh, Martinez's line of sight as well. 
yeah, you, you see the replays from all angles, especially the one from behind the goal, and it's like, oh, hang on a minute, that's kind of glaringly obvious. And we found we have been here before with Villa against Arsenal. Yes, those of you who have a keen ear would have noticed that uh, the pre-credits. Uh commentary was from when John McGinn's goal was chalked out against Arsenal at Arsenal this is going back to the lockdown period because uh, Ross Barkley was in the way of the shot there was a big lengthy VAR look at that incident and it was chalked off so here we're not going to go into this uh, talking about VAR we've we've been there before over the years but my bottom line is you've you know you've heard Dermot Gallagher after the game in the Barkley one you know, a couple of years ago, saying, "Oh, yeah, definitely, he was in. You know, he was in the line. He's in an offside position." And here, it's the first thing he says is, "Is there's neither a right or a wrong." I'm sorry, but you've got to that take away it. subjectivity from this bullshit. This is what's causing all these problems. It's not VAR. It's this subjectivity that they've seemed to weed into the game here as much as possible in terms of the decisions. Make these decisions as distinctly unsubjective as you can get. I.e., hmm. if you have players in the line of the goalkeeper within the width of the six-yard box, then that's offside, blatantly offside. End of story, end of discussion. None of this, oh, it depends on how far the ball is out and whether he has chance to react to it. It's, and would he have saved it and all the whataboutery, which is nonsense. It doesn't matter it's if bullshit. or not. If Martinez had seen that two split seconds earlier, he might not get to the ball, but his dive would have been a little bit, in terms of timing, would have been different and that ball rebounding may have hit him in a different position or may not have even hit him at all so it changes everything so this subjective blah 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 and then those guys would have been offside yeah this is just people who dither and dally in 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 the process and they just get themselves into trouble further down the line but here as you say it's uh it's typical villa standard (laughs) if it's going to happen it's going to happen to us though isn't it but of course, from an Arsenal point of view, they'll be like, "Well, that's fucking karma." For what I don't know, but but that's 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 Villa, isn't it? And even but even then, though, you know, Villa sort of get on the ball and they fashion a chance, and you kind of go, "We've got a corner here." The way this game's going, you wouldn't put it past Villa to get out of this with a draw. It was a shit corner, and you see Dina stepping up to take a corner on the left wing, and you're like, "In this moment, you've got to go with a percentage play, and an outswinging yeah. corner is not the play for me." Unless if the only way if he takes it, you just you just hang it. If he's going to take that, you have to hit it flat, or you hang it up to the back post and go right. We're going to get after the second ball here, put it under the goal, or do what they've been doing all day. Yeah, you know, short yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all this hoo ha, and I include em- Emery in this fucking false yeah. narrative, putting all the attention on that fourth goal. That game was fucking done and dusted. This was the last throw of the dice. And even I was saying, all in! In the box, man. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was a strange take. I had no complaints with Martinez getting in there. And to jump on him like that was was fucking weird. And uh, considering there was far greater things to jump on him for. Don't know what watch Emery uses, but that was the last throw. Literally, it was the Hail Mary. If it's NFL, it's like... Two yeah, seconds, yeah, the quarterback's yeah. got... He's only got time to release the Hail Mary and that's it. And then when he saw that corner, you thought, that's not on Martinez, that's on fucking Luca Dean. It, that, you don't put a fucking shit ball in like that. That was straight from the Ashley Westwood book of fucking it shit was. corners. Arsenal's was. heart didn't even miss a beat there. It was like simple header out, away they went. But they should be shitting their pants. That ball should be uh, edge of the six-yard box or in at least penalty spot 
all in. Should be under the goalie with everyone under. Oh, under we him. had nine foot tall John Duran, who was like a rabid dog on the pitch, and we didn't pump it anywhere near to him. It was and insane. As I said in something for the weekend, Ramsdale is punchy. He's not catchy, and you know we saw Louise score a corner against him because he's you know he shits his pants at corners. That was at the near post. Mm. Yeah. Now I know we had we were le- we had less options on the field who could deliver a ball, but. I think it's just not the percentage play, that one. Because the natural arc of the ball is essentially you're taking the ball away from the goal. You've got to put it under the goalkeeper and just say, everyone piles on. If we end up fouling the goalies, so be it. But make them make a decision or make them do something. Because I have no problem with Martinez. As I said, I was calling him for getting in the box. Like What I do have a problem with Martinez, and, and it's a big compromisation of our play. And I don't I don't know what the difference is with how... Emery instructs them to play out the back compared to, say, you know, Argentina, for example, because Martinez had a shocker in terms of distribution. I mean, his dreadful game completion was 46.3%. And his average for the season, it's kind of what many keepers are. It's like 70%. So 46 is it's a shocking, just in stat form, it's shocking. But what we saw with our own eyes was, I mean, he did one, you know, one of his clearances went out for a, uh, a corner, which isn't the first time. Well, that was because that was a shit pass back to him. But I think that if yeah. I counted correctly, I'm sure some you know stat geek online will probably correct me, but I'm sure there were at least five that went out for throw-ins. And that was when they were trying to play over the Arsenal press and he just overcooked it each time. Well, they didn't know what to do, did they? When no. they when they realised the penny drop, oh, actually, I, I can't play it out the back at this moment. It was just like, oh shit, it's just like, well, I'll just kick it in the general direction over the halfway line. And I think that's part of what Emery was fucked off about at full time in his post match was like, this is not the plan. You know, time wasting isn't in my plan and lumping aimless balls out to the wing, that's not in my plan. You know, we, we, he wants to stick to it. I think if, if say, for example, the, the Odegaard chance had gone in, you'd kind of go, well, at least we're playing the way I want us to. But I think, you know, he said after the game about, you know, we didn't have any possession, certainly in the second half, lacked anything resembling control of the game at any point. I, I don't want to be a team that plays in transition, which for my money actually suits Villa against a lot of teams. Yeah. Because of the bit of pace we've got, I think when a game opens up, it suits us. I think when we're trying to play tiki-taka through really well-organised teams, especially these top sides who can really press you on the edge of your six-yard well, six you know, your, your, um, your line, we're not well-drilled enough. You know, Gerard tried to get them playing that way. Smith had tried to get them playing that way. And it comes to a point where you think, well, I'm all for doing that, but you've got a team like Villa have to be that bit more pragmatic and go, maybe now's not quite the time, like when you've just gone 2-1 up and you're inviting a team on. Yeah, I mean, 33% sums it up, possession. Which, if you take the back five, if you include Martinez in that, which one of them isn't good enough or how many of them aren't good enough to play like that? Because you see other teams and they can do it. They can do it with a sort of degree of, I mean, everybody messes up sometimes. City messed up against Spurs a few weeks ago. Rodri messed up and we've seen how good a player he is. So what what is it about the Villa team? What is, it's like a slowness. It's almost as if they've, they don't Conviction. know what they're going to do. Be- yeah, they don't know what they're going to do before the ball comes to them. It's like they wait until the ball gets to them before they're making their mind up where it's going to go. You can see other teams, they already have that next pass in their head. And then if they see something blocking that pass, they move to the next option. Or then they maybe decide to get rid of it instead. I think that's the main That's the main thing for me is that it's not a quick gear change through the options. It's like, oh, no. we'll play it out the back. That's the default setting. And then suddenly like, oh shit, there's no options. Oh, right. And then it gets, there's that hesitation. And that's where the, the doubt comes in and that's when they start to give it away if they could think a bit quicker 
and go from, right, there's nothing on, let's do this. Or I know there's a channel ball if this isn't, you know, this scenario is not happening. At the moment, it's just, there's that hesitation and it's like rabbit in the headlights. And that's where they just panic into something that gives the ball away. And it feeds into the crowd, doesn't it? Well, look at our most fluid moment of play and it actually sticks in the mind because there's there's not many I can recall in, in recent times, really. It's the three players that contributed to it, Marino, who's got an outstanding assists record in in uh, in Spain. Coutinho has done it at the highest level and Buendia, who I think has the potential. That that goal wasn't three players who didn't know what they were doing. You know, that was a, that was a style of play and fluid play that, they, that is well within their capability. It's almost players like the training the ground. Oh well, I know, but I think it comes natural to them, and and mm-hmm. it's it's a limitation without wanting to without wanting to circle one player like Matty Cash just doesn't have that in his locker. He doesn't have that natural ability to burst forward and instinctively pick a dangerous pass or or move into space that's dangerous. I don't think it comes naturally to him. No, you, you see it feeding into the crowd. I mean, and I'm probably guilty of it. I'm sure we are all are at times during the games. You get a bit antsy, and then you. you it's very easy to lose your rag because you can see where the mistake's coming. You're like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. They're going to fuck up in a minute. And then I think everyone starts sort of shouting at them and it's either, get on with it, get rid of it. And it's like, that's not the way Emery wants to play. It almost becomes like a culture thing where it's like, you're nervous before you start and that feeds into the players and they're like, shit, they can't tell if the fans are on their back, which I don't think they're on their back, but the fans are nervy because history suggests that we're going to play ourselves into trouble and that's going to take a long time to kind of work through. I said that to you after the game, didn't I? I said the the panic from the crowd and that kind of nervousness. Sometimes it comes as soon as the player gets the ball. Mm-hmm. I didn't realise you could hear my screaming from the lower hole. <laughs> <laughs> it should come after he's had the ball for a bit or he's messing, you know, he's, he's prancing around with it, not doing anything. But it's actually coming before the player's actually had time to think what I'm going to do with this. It's so inbred now, that nervousness. And it's not very helpful. Now, if the opposition has sat on your 18-yard line when you've got a goal kick and you just roll it out to Cons or Mings on like, maybe the, court, you know, the corner of the six-yard box, you think, oh, God, where's the next pass going? And you aren't yeah. confident enough yet that Kamara or Louise are going to receive it on the half turn because they don't receive it on the half turn, which anyone who's ever played football, a coach will tell you you have to receive it on the half turn. Villa lads receive it with their back to goal. So you're inviting, in Arsenal's case, an Odegaard to just come straight up your backside and take Ooh. the ball off you. So you don't, you didn't see Villa actually play into midfield, whereas the goal we actually played around him. And I think that you have to pick and choose your moments, especially against these sides who are fundamentally better than you. You've got Watkins, who's an, a willing runner, and he'll run, you know, till he's like passing out pretty much. Just hit the corners. You've got a bit of pace in the team, and you can stretch them. You've got to put the other team in anticipation mode not like uh, be predictable and say right we're going to play try to play out the back we're going to keep doing that it's just because if the opposition expecting that they just set set up the traps ready for you yeah but if you're doing something else and then you do it and then you drop it in here and there and then you and you're changing all the time and you're yep. varying how you're playing then you know, they're not going to set those traps because they're going to have to anticipate the longer ball or one that's pumped up in the channels for Watkins to chase or whatever because they don't want to be on the back foot they're going to have to prepare for that eventuality which opens up a bit more space to actually play out the back so it's mm-hmm. alright trying to do one way methodically but it becomes predictable and when it becomes predictable that's when you just hit a dead end yeah, yeah. I mean I used to say quite a few times that, that year when Liverpool won the league at a canter I remember we said at the time, they could beat you in four or five ways. You know, They could pass you off the park if they had to, but they could go long if they had to. They could 
carry the ball. And that might would have been the tactic for Arsenal. Would have probably been just carry the ball. You saw when Bailey, for sort of whatever, however long it was, 20 minutes, just put his, got his head down and ran at them. And all of a sudden you thought, right, we're back in the game now. We're trying to play out from really deep. We didn't have enough men in front of the ball to actually hurt them. Arsenal were like, all right, you can dick around with it in your own half if you want to, but you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, right, yep. just wrap off the game. What I would say is the stat that stands out to me is how, how many fouls did Arsenal commit in the game? Because this tells you about control. They only committed four fouls in the whole game, which is staggering. I mean, Arsenal, whether it's control of everything, they were Arsenal were sort of like the masters of their own destiny in this one. They were they were controlling the referees. They were putting pressure on the mm. referees. They were controlling the pitch. They were controlling everything. So it which was, comes through their mentality, uh, as I was, was saying. To round off, uh, what I was going to say was it's now ten league games. Emery won five, drawn one, lost four, 16 points. Gerard, first 10 games, won five, drawn two, lost three, 17 points. Now that is the new manager bounce, which, you know, obviously uh, we know what that is. It's players are focused because it's a new manager. They want to impress, et cetera, et cetera. But then after 10 games, I would say we get to day-to-day life and they start to maybe have grudges against the manager or maybe he isn't actually communicating fully. I, mean, I think I mean, the manager's in- got grudges. <laughs> Yeah, and it works both ways. (laughs) You you know, you're thinking, because you're always looking at Emery and you're looking at his press conferences and, you know, the the kind of broken English, uh, but you're thinking, uh, and that might put players' backs up uh, in terms of, uh, you know, they'll start to get sick of it and then, you know, it becomes a joke within themselves. But, you know, you look at the Villa squad and and, and considerable uh, amount of key Spanish-speaking players so that shouldn't really be a, a, an issue in that respect. But at the moment, it's like you you want to see the same mentality of how Arsenal went about that game desperate to win it and doing everything from that little drinks break they had when Villa were just kind of waiting. They were using that time to good effect. And you need to see more of that pumped up uh, mentality and intent and focus. <laughs> hmm. I mean, the pleasing thing in Emery, I'm, I'm trying to think of the adjective that sufficiently captures it because I, d- I don't think he was angry, but I think he was, it was a mix of frustration and there were moments where I thought he was genuinely seething, you know, the, the, the concept as I believe he was trying to translate as he was going along really was that what he considered to be not just a mentality, but a, the concept of how he wants to play wasn't being, and he, he was the one who made the point, it wasn't prompted by the interviewer around the new manager bounce, the initial period, and that momentum hadn't isn't carrying on. I think he would see as a real concern because he was... It was a good 10 minutes, wasn't it, that he was... A, I don't think he was even broken yeah. with additional questions of him. It was a diatribe almost of, yeah. of things as he saw it that needed to improve. And I suppose on the one hand, it's good that we've got a manager who stands there and, and says some things that arguably some of those things as the manager, I think he needs to front up and, and maybe it was a... It's just a language thing that he doesn't just stand there and do that. But at the same time, it's quite refreshing that I, I, I've never been one for sentiment with Villa players and there's, there's got to be players in the in the squad now who he will be looking at and thinking you will never be we're using the example of Arsenal today you will never be on that on that plane where we can if we are if you are genuinely want to step to, step up to be a, a top team that's treated seriously and it's taken seriously that they'll be part of it uh, I don't know who those players are 
by the way. But it's but, also on his watch, by the way, to not have people sleeping on the posts, waiting for corners and things. Mm. They need to be sharp, and that's on his watch to tell them that. And also, it's all right saying to Martinez, "Oh, a team of mine, you know, never has a keeper running up." I bet he never he's never told Martinez that once since he's been at the club. That's like a hindsight thing. And it seemed like such a non-issue to me after the and game. It is and a non-issue, it, yeah. Yeah, and that was the. And I wonder whether that was in an in-the-moment comment or remark. And I think. Yeah. Emery has perhaps left himself open to those are the kinds of things that should stay behind closed doors I think if you don't it's a personal issue or there's a performance issue or there's a yeah possibly with Martinez a discipline issue at whatever level you know and I think the discipline level also extends to the ridiculous attempts at time wasting by the way right before we go on a big thank you to all the Mayo Manso members for supporting the show as per usual especially to Mr michael cox for joining us on valentine's day and showing us some love so thank you very much for becoming a member if you want to become a member too and get ad free shows so you don't have to hang around waiting for the ads to run by or you want to get extra shows and also access to our inner community which will meet online for the everton game which now becomes uh, quite a pivotal game then please do go to myomensed.com and click on the membership link to get details and to join us there right so let's blaze through these three points number one barcelona paid 1.2 million for advice on referees i I could tell them what i thought of referees like uh for you know maybe 0.2 million what 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 is this story well it's not so much paying for advice and referees it's who they actually paid for the advice and referees so barcelona paid a company owned by former referee Jose Maria Enriquez Negreta um, during a two-year period. But the thing is, at the time, he was the vice president of the referees committee. So it's basically this. <laughs> well, oh, well, are we going down the match-fixing route here? It's, it must be good information that we're getting from. Spanish paper El Mundo published a copy of a fax sent to the club after they basically terminated the, the relationship. Negreta said he would publicize all the irregularities that he knows about the club and he has experienced firsthand if an agreement was not reached between the two parties. But despite this, he didn't carry out that threat because once the, the relationship was terminated, he didn't release any more revelations. But the, El Mundo got a copy of this fax. So just be, you'd wonder if referees had that sort of relationship with Ferguson back in the day. Yeah, Alex Ferguson, well, he had referees playing for Manchester United. They were just missing a, a red kit instead of a black one. Point number two, uh, dodgy goings on in the French League. Uh, Nice have put in an official complaint to the police after an adult film was recorded during Liga 1 game inside their stadium. According to uh, French outlet RMC, it, w- it was fans who originally alerted the club to the filming. RMC Sport confirmed the existence of this video on several adult platforms starring an X-rated movie actress, Laurie Racuzo, who entered the stadium to perform a manhunt... David, could you put a link in the description to the podcast, please? <laughs> when you uh... <laughs> and a nice man who accepted the offer to record a scene. I bet he did. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. The end bit. Nice beat Lil one nil. Is that going to be part of the new upsell on the hold? Oh, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> opportunity knocks. It'll be better than bloody prize where it lies or or that whatever the trying to hit those red dots uh, on the goalpost. Halftime manhunt. <laughs> Brilliant. There's many innuendos, but I'll, I'll spare you all. Halftime manhunt in the halt would be at least profitable for one person. Meanwhile, this is probably my favourite one. Point number three, Bolton have renamed their stadium. Tough sheet. 
that's all there is to Bolt. say, isn't it? Phil yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got to say. Uh, Bolt, Bolt and Wanderers announced a five-year stadium naming rights deal. Now, is this one better than Poundland Warsaw? It's brilliant! It's brilliant. Bolton, Bolton-based recyclable building product manufacturer Toughsheet, spelt S H E T. Formerly the Reebok back in the day. I mean, Reebok did it's well out of that because quite it's, a, it's it's quite a fall from grace, isn't it? This? It is, isn't it? So uh, it's going to be the Tough Sheet Community <laughs> <laughs> Stadium. I mean, if you if your first language is Spanish or uh, Italian, <laughs> and like you know, if you're Emery, and we've we've got another cup tie here at Bolton next season. <laughs> oh, it's it's written on the stars, isn't it? It is. <laughs> It will be called the Tough Shit, uh, Tough Shit. We might as well go for it, Tough Shit. <laughs> tough Shit Community Stadium from the 1st of July this year. Tough Shit Community Stadium is brilliant. <laughs> this wasn't the Tough Shit Bowl. <laughs> uh, I mean, all you need to start a manhunt in the Tough Shit Community <laughs> Stadium, then <laughs> you've got the full full house. Jesus. General admission plus manhunt in the Tough Shit Stadium. <laughs> Right, it's time for Media Muppets. Right, Phil, what's in the Media Muppet trough this week? Well, I, I loathe to call them media, but it's Arsenal fan TV. Photo! Well done, Emmy Martinez! Jorginho! Jorginho! Unbelievable! Jorginho shot, hit him on the head. And went in. You couldn't make that up. I'm telling you something. We're all going to win the lottery tonight because that is absolutely amazing. And these stupid, arrogant, foolish Villa fans, they need to go back to Birmingham where they belong. Because Birmingham City is their team. Well, I hope we get re- Listen, I respect Unai, but I hope Villa get relegated. You are crap. You're the worst team in the world. You're the worst team. How dare you think you can beat us? The worst team in the world. The worst team in the world. I saw this on social media. There was two moments here. First, uh, Arsenal Fan TV doing an interview uh, in the stands of the Trinity, like a preview thing before the game. And I thought, yeah, you let those goons in, did you? From the point of view of how kind of toxic they are. And you just thought, oh, this is, you know, it's just a classic example of they've got numbers. That's why you, you let them in. So, and, you know, but I thought, whatever. And then, like, seconds later, I see another clip of two bozos. One of them does the uh, roving mic thing with one of their tried and trusted chaps. And he was just doing his normal clown circus performance uh, for the camera, slagging off filler, saying that we should go back to Birmingham, even though he was standing in fucking Birmingham, saying that we should be relegated, basically insulting, slagging us off, having a go at Martinez. And you just think, and he gave them access to Villa Park. Now, you know, there's a few fan channels that were jumping on, and that's, that's well, they don't let us in, but, you know, they let Arsenal in. And, I, you know, that wasn't, I didn't give a shit about that. I wasn't bothered about that. If you've got bigger numbers, boys, maybe you get in. But for, it's just from the point of view, you know what they are, and it's backfired. And anybody could have told you, you know, you were going to get toxicity, but to insult and basically take the piss out of what would have been goodwill from the person who against their better judgment uh, in the Villa communication team signed off on this you've just shat on their their goodwill I mean you know I put a tweet out about it and uh, let's say I had a conversation with the club and I said what my point of view is and you know my point of view was you know there's potential repercussions there because you know in the in the modern day and age everybody's ang- angsty on social media but you know in the real world going back a few years 
those guys, if they turned up the next time, they would have been dealt with. Are they getting their heads caved in? It would have been hospitals would have been involved. And I said that to the club. And they said to me, well, they won't be allowed in next time, which is, you know, the best case scenario in this situation. It's as simple as that. So Muppet decisions there all around, but we know what they are. So you expect nothing more. So they shouldn't be let through the front door. It's as simple as that. They're just a bunch of cunts. Yeah, but say what you really feel, Chris. Hmm. I mean, I don't care. They are? they are what they are. It's very naive, wasn't it? It was just, yeah. what, what, did, they are, what did Villa they expect? Are, they are what they are, and they are entertainment, but it's on a on a like a cesspit level, which, you know, it's it, that is mm. most of social media, let's, let's be honest. Yeah, it's it's funny because I remember um, last season when we, we played Liverpool and I did a piece for Liverpool, like their official TV channel, and the club wouldn't let Liverpool film around the ground, let alone in yeah, it. Yeah, because they didn't want association with a Steven Gerrard story. Yeah, because they want Steven Gerrard to be Villa and not Liverpool. Yeah, and in that sense, you kind of go, "All right, fair game." But at the same time, any normal uh, outlet would have been in there, and you know what the narrative is: it's Gerrard against his old team. Yeah, so uh, yeah, there's nothing dodge. But you know what this AFTV do, and you know they do very well because they are catering to that kind of toxic car crash way of getting likes on social media good luck to them fair play they're making careers out of it which is if they could they sleep at night and they get satisfaction then that's all, all well and good but the club should know what they are and they shouldn't uh, be letting them in because you're going to get that and if that happened if i saw that and i if i was in earshot i would have reacted and if i would do that then there's other people who would be a lot more hot headed so it's you know it's in their interests as well because, you know, it's not just, the, there's the real world out there. It's not all just social media where there's no consequences and YouTube where there's no consequences. Well, you saw it the other week, didn't you? It Was it West Ham Chelsea? The Chelsea fan was gobbing off and he got flattened, didn't he? What, he was PSG wheeled Bayern. into the ground on a wheelchair. Yeah, you had the, the Bayern Munich lad in the, in the PSG and the other night in the Champions League who literally got stripped down to his boxers and covered in blood just for a bit of social media clout, wasn't it? Oh, it's the dream in the lower halt, that is for me. <laughs> yeah, it's just a standard afternoon for Dan. <laughs> The interesting thing with the Arsenal lads is it, ha- it, it, it creates hate within their own fan base. They're just mm. as embarrassed as the Villa fans are pissed off. And they do, you know, they do get into trouble. Uh, they do have altercations, shall we say, because of this. But, you know, when they get in the clicks, that's what blindsides them to this. So, Phil, have you got a median nugget for us? Well, the median nugget this week came from the BBC. It, probably an unintended Surely nugget. Surely not. I know, if they didn't mean it. Um, the BBC did a piece on Emmy Martinez's rise to be nominated for the best FIFA goalkeeper this year that was spoke about last week. But the real nugget are the comments by ex-Villa keeping coach Neil Cutler on Villa's scouting approach. Cutler said, We had a list of keepers and myself, Johan Lang, and the scouting department had lots of meetings. I bet they did. Johan and the scouts would mainly go off stats like clean sheets and save percentages, but Emmy was somewhere lower down that list because he hadn't played many games compared to the other keepers across Europe they were looking at. So this is where Cutler comes in and goes, Luckily, they were open to my ideas and how I work. I look at a keeper's style and shape, and Emmy's biomechanics were excellent. He ticked every box. So basically, Cutler used his eyes instead of a spreadsheet and his knowledge from actually what? Maybe this is the root of Villa's problems. Which brings me on to a subject quickly that we discussed after the game. Uh, Dan Rogers was telling us about uh, somebody standing next to him. Instead of FFP, he came up with another construct, another metric. What was it? FFA? FFW? F-U-C-K, I think it was. Financial fair waste? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that was, it was fair the waste. The concept yeah, is, a, is a solid concept and I think... 
any any Villa fan with any length of continuous service will know that I mean basically the principle would be is that teams will be penalised and punished based upon excessive waste waste of money on crap players bought on statistics and uh, money ball strategy yeah the, the, the Peter Ridsdale methodology or model I think would probably be I think you can yeah you, you start to stack up some of the some of the signings that we've had and I think that in their conversation they moved on pretty quickly and they started to wind through fat transfer fees and Villa strikers and it's only when you start to go Hogan McCormack Codger oh good god and it starts to add up Ings it? Ings Tishbola Samata yeah. <laughs> oh oh my goodness so you get to the point where the pre- the Premier League will deduct points for wasting money on crap players <laughs> and if and if you con- if you're a serial encroacher you, you face potential relegation as well like in FFP Chelsea been like League 2 wouldn't they well, would they? They've won trophies. I mean, like this season, for yeah, example. Yeah, some crap could, as well. This season, potentially, you could see Manchester City getting relegated for FFP and, and Aston Villa getting <laughs> relegated for FFW. Alongside Everton. <laughs> Alongside Everton as well. You know, I think it, it adds a, a level of unpredictability to the league, which some fans who are getting bored of the Premier League status quo might enjoy. We might get investigated for deliberately trying to... Uh, we can't <laughs> fathom why any team would self-harm itself. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be a more that would be a more like believable solution than some of the transfers that have come in, wouldn't it? If it was done on purpose. Some complex Ponzi scheme. It's just laundry. It's Ponzi laundry. Ponzi scheme. Aston Villa is a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh no. Not another week where we haven't got time for Emery's clipboard. Let's say... Uh, We'll make sure we deliver it next week, so please don't be mad. We'll uh, we'll we'll put it in uh, as a as a members podcast for this week, and then uh, add it on to uh, the show next week. So if you're a member, you'll get it at least. Right, looking forward to the Everton game, lads. Not really. Bit of Sean Dyche, lovely jubbly. Yeah. Suddenly, Villa playing under pressure rather than people saying, oh, free hits against Manchester City Arsenal. Well, you know, Forrest managed to get a point off Manchester City. These aren't free hits. You, you need to get what you can when you can. And certainly against Leicester and Arsenal, we were in pole position and perhaps should have done better. Mentality needs to change. Can Emery do it? He needs to ditch that gilet. Until next time when we find out if he ditches that Tim Sherwood gilet. It's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. 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 Uh, just checking the, the ice hockey results here. We have uh, Belfast Giants, six. Nottingham Prima Donnas, one. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever, Phil. Yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Did you give them a window seat out of interest? <laughs> yeah, did you move for them? No. So, so, so I sabotaged it then? <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.